Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. <gasps> what? Hey, everybody. It's us. <laughs> yep. It's the two, just the two of us here in the <laughs> intro every time. Just the oh, two of us. Very cool song. Jenny and I. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, as usual, before we talk at length about this episode of The X-Files, we are going to tell you some things. The first thing that we're going to tell you, my beautiful friends, is uh, what, pray tell, are the results of last episode's Sexual Tension Awards? Don't even worry about it. I got you. In fourth place. <laughs> and it belongs there. With 7% of the vote, a questionably high 7% of the vote, it's the space worm and a body with no other space worms in it. This is what Avanti wanted to win. It's probably just Avanti like <laughs> logging in from every account to vote for the yeah. space worms. <laughs> oh, sorry, space worm. Uh, with it equally disappointing to me, only 17% of the vote, the third place slot is filled by the noms me, Jenny. And all the sweaters and Henley is in season one, episode eight. 17% is a pretty good showing considering the other two slots. I see the virtue of the other two slots I'm about to detail for you. One is uh, the second place slot with 22% of the vote. Special agents Fox Mulder and Dana Scully. You've heard of them. You know them. You love them. They have a lot going on in the episode Ice. And in first place with 54% of the vote... It's uh, two doctors, no waiting. It's doctors Dana Scully <laughs> and Nancy De Silva. Congrats, ladies. So happy for you. Yes, good work. Someone in the Patreon commented, I can't believe the mothership isn't winning. And somebody else was like, they have so many opportunities to win. How many chances do we get to vote for doctors Dana Scully and Nancy <laughs> De Silva? True, true. Let the ladies shine while they can. Touche. Um, yes, a couple other quick things uh, while we whip up a trophy for Dana and Nancy. Producer Latoya Ferguson uh, wanted to add that after listening to this episode that you're about to listen to, she realized for the first time that the lieutenant astronaut man, his <laughs> full name is a colonel. Colonel, yeah, Lieutenant Colonel to Colonel. His full name was Marcus Aurelius Belt. Um, and she said that Marcus Aurelius is a Roman emperor who wrote a book called Meditations, all about philosophy and spirituality, which she says, I assume, is part of the reason for his name, because Space Ghost. And also, <laughs> I'm guessing that the name was a riff on James Tiberius Kirk. Wow. Yeah. 
a friend of mine who writes for television was telling me I was like talking to her about a show that she's currently working on and like asking where the name for a particular character came from and she was like I don't know I think they were just like thinking about this like particular actor so they made like this character's like name very similar to that actor's name they were just like whatever just so, not caring yeah. writers are riffing out there well right now they're picketing but hopefully yes. uh they will resolve yeah. their issues to hopefully their liking get... and then get back to riffing yes. soon please give writers what they deserve so that they can riff god damn it that's right <laughs> Uh, and lastly, we are simply a few days away. Jenny, I'm about to get off this recording and get in a car and drive to Maine because <gasps> Yay. we are going to be doing a live. It's our first episodic live recording of the EX Files. We're recording wow. a little episode named Eve. That's right. It's a really good one. Is it the best one uh, of the show up to this point? Maybe. I mean, we just had Ice, which was the best episode up to that point. Mm. Eve is like right up there oh, with you're ice. Putting ice against and, Eve and squeeze. squeeze. All, all of the single word titled episodes really take the cake. That's right. Uh, special surprise for you all. If you're joining us in the live stream, you're going to get to see a very special conversation that we had with uh, somebody named Max Collins, who's the lead singer of this band. Eve six heard of them. And how could this band be related to the episode Eve? I can't wait to find out. I can't wait to find out either. Until then, I'll be swallowing my pride, choking on the rinds, and doing all other sorts of things. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Don't mess with Kristen when she starts talking about swallowing the rinds. You do not want to get in the middle of that. Don't fucking mess with me. My teenage, teenage lion self will just come roaring right at you. Please join us, um, bufferingcast.com slash stream. You can get tickets. You can join us in the after, at the after party. We're going to be talking about, uh, for the first time, what we're doing for the 30th anniversary of the show. <gasps> We've got a t-shirt only available, t-shirt and a crop top only available in the stream. It says Mrs. Spooky Mulder. We're not, that's right. We're not fucking around, you guys. Um, that's no, no. this Saturday, June 10th, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern, and it'll be on demand until the 17th of June. So join us there. And um, now I guess it's time to talk about a ghost or an alien or an alien ghost. Nobody knows. Miss <laughs> Scully, we send those men up into space to unlock the doors of the universe, and we don't even know what's behind them. I think whatever it was, he took it with him. And in the end, that was the only way he knew how to stop it. files that's the ex files a buffering rewatch adventure where we are watching and discussing every episode of the x files one by one spoiler free i'm jenny owen youngs 
ex-wife of Kristen Russo, and I grew up watching The X-Files. And I'm Kristen Russo, ex-wife of Jenny Owen Youngs, and I have only ever seen nine episodes of The X-Files. Today we are talking about what is known, I think, as the best episode of The X-Files, season (laughs) one, episode nine, Space. Space was written by Chris Carter, directed by William A. Graham, and originally aired on November 12th. 1993. According Just to- 10 days before I turned 12. Oh. <laughs> oh, tiny Jenny. I know. And there I was at home, nearly t- nearly 12, watching this episode. Wow. I was uh, just around the bend from 13 myself. A big, a big year for Kristen Russo. Mm. This is the one where, according to IMDb, when a space shuttle mission is sabotaged, Mulder suspects it may be the work of an alien spirit that inhabits the body of a former Gemini astronaut. That is not true. He does not (laughs) suspect that. He doesn't know. He doesn't know that. (laughs) But okay, we'll talk about it. (laughs) And Latoya Ferguson, producer... Latoya Ferguson, if you please, give this episode a scary rating of one out of five sculpted human faces. Somehow, this is like (laughs) an episode, maybe the only episode that Latoya has seen before. How? How? What a horrible prank Sinatra out there showed this episode to Latoya. (laughs) Truly. I mean... Listen, this is not a good episode of television. I'm so sorry to say it, folks, but like we know the X-Files is a great show. Imagine that this imagine you were like, wow, the X-Files, everyone talks about it. It's so good. And this was the episode you saw. Woo. Yeah. Uh funny up. It's uh I mean, I guess funny up. I guess we can start with our broad thoughts. Uh Latoya did ask us. She said, this is considered the worst episode of the season. Little Jenny and Kristen, do you consider this the worst you've seen so far? Clearly, I've made, I've already answered that uh, def- for, for sure by leaps and bounds. This is simply not a, it's oh, a yeah. hilarious. This is definitely the worst episode <laughs> yeah. so far. And uh, based on my very recent rewatch of season one preparing for this season, mm-hmm. uh, it's the worst episode of season one. I think a lot of times it's the worst episodes of television that give us our best podcast. So here's hoping, you know, I I let it be. So, I mean, it's just, it's just so silly. Uh, It's just so silly nearly at every turn. And apart from letting us know how much Mulder fanboys out for astronauts, I'm not sure like what else it really serves us. You know, I just, I'm very confused. It's like, Okay. The show asks us to suspend our disbelief or to consider the possibilities or asks us if we want to believe or whatever. But I feel like I feel like you have to like choose. You have to like pick your lane. Mm -hmm. Aliens or ghosts? The ghost of an alien? (laughs) I don't know. It feels like too many things. I mean, but to be fair, you know, I mean, if we have ghosts that are human ghosts, sure. then the aliens deserve to have ghosts too. But it is a lot. We're only in episode nine, and this episode was be- was in production 
I feel like a lot of Latoya's notes were like, yeah, everyone said like, oh, this episode was real rough because it was the premiere. Like everyone was dealing with the premiere of the show. The show was premiering mm. at around the time that this episode was was made. I, I just I don't I don't know about all that, but uh, I just I just feel like it's only nine episodes in. Maybe we should pick a lane for now. You know, maybe season four, season five, you can start to blend your uh, your demons, aliens, ghosts and otherwise. But not yet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Also, it's mm. I'm sorry. Well, I'll wait till I'll wait till we get there. But what happens to this man's face? I'm so confused about what happens <laughs> in this episode and what is I, what we'll get there. It's oh, yeah. It's not just the ghost of an alien, but it also morphs is Mount Face on Mars. <laughs> it's the sculpted. It's like a sculpted. It's like, did face. it make that sculpt? Sure. Did it yeah, sculpt did its the, own face? Did it sculpt its likeness into the topography of Mars? Is that is that what this ghost got up to? Was and it so? Did we how? see or or did, were we see? Was it laying down? Was it just taking a nice little sun for itself, tanning itself on Mars, and that was the image that the uh, telescope captured? We saw its actual face, or right? Did it create a monument to itself? Um, and make well, I gotta say, if the if it was big enough for the telescope to pick up. Like that's pretty, probably pretty big, pretty large uh, geographic feature. Uh, this is this is a real fact, by the way, that there was a, a sculpted face type thing that was photographed in. They say 1977 that the episode starts with this news broadcast, but everything I read said 1976. Um, NASA's first uh, photographic evidence of Mars. Revealing the presence of large amounts of water. Cool, cool, cool. And there was an image of a land formation that looked uh, a bit like a face. And everyone was like, it's a trick of the light. So this was like pulled from that concept. Uh, and I, you know, take it into an incredibly creative, uh, nuanced, artistic episode of television. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Sorry. Um... <laughs> Uh, when you rip things from the headlines mm -hmm. and just slap them on a else. colonel's face, you know, right from the headline yeah. to the colonel's face. Okay, yo, this colonel, Colonel Belt, it's, he's a colonel, right? I, do I have that right? Okay, so in 1977, he is, um, Kristen, let me tell you, <laughs> Lieutenant Colonel Marcus Aurelius Belt. Wow. This name took took up like half the budget. Also, it's just what you got lug this whole name around, sir. Like he must be descended from space explorers because his name is literally sounds like Orion's belt. It's just like Aurelius's belt. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, later they just call him Colonel Belt in present. Is is Lieutenant Colonel a thing that you are before you ascend to, colonel. to Colonel-dom? Yeah, and then once you graduate from Colonel-dom, you're actually Colonel Colonel. So you, it's a Lieutenant Colonel. And then when do you become popcorn? <laughs> wow, I wish Rishi was here. He would have fucking loved that. <laughs> <laughs> um, this dude though, uh, Colonel Belt is. Played by Ed Lauder. Is that how we say this actor's name? He's in everything. 
but I intimately knew him. I was like, I know this man. And I sat on my couch, Jenny, and I said, I know this man. And I know this man because he played Sarah Jessica Parker's father in a movie called Girls Just Want to Have Fun in 1985. Because I, Kristen Russo, have watched Girls Just Want to Have Fun approximately 412 times. And so, oh. and he was a lieutenant or an army officer. He was a, you know, he. I think I'm sure that this man plays a lot of parts where he's saying, oh, 700. Uh, but yep, yep. <laughs> But I, I immediately knew him from that because I had seen him so many times. So if you want to, if you have not seen the movie, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Jenny, I imagine that you were not able to sustain a relationship with me for nearly a decade without seeing that film. I've never seen it. <gasps> I don't know what happens when girls just want to have fun. I don't know if they uh, have the fun. I don't know if they go on a hero's journey that's aimed towards the fun but then the real fun mm -hmm. is the friends that they made along the way is the sexual I, I don't know tension between the girls and the fun uh mm. the okay just just a everyone should watch the movie girls just want to have fun b it is 1985 it is starring helen hunt and sarah jessica parker with a perhaps 12 year old shannon doherty she's very very small and it is centered around sarah jessica parker's need and love for dancing and Jenny, a dance competition comes to the city of Chicago. Um, and as you might imagine, Sarah Jessica Parker's father, he's an army man. He's very strict. He doesn't want her to dance. Uh, but Helen Hunt, yeah. she's a wild girl. She's a wild girl. She's going to get our Sarah Jessica Parker to this dance competition, Jenny. And it's going to be fun. So, you know. Does this predate Footloose or does it follow Footloose? And what was... America's relationship with dancing in the 80s. Oh, so this is right after Footloose. Footloose is 84. Girls just want to have fun, 85. So this is probably Footloose probably did fucking great. And they were like, more Footloose dance for women. Movies. Yeah. Footloose for her. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, thank you for letting me talk to you about one of my all time favorite movies. Girls just want to have fun. Uh, that is Anytime. Where, I, where I know this guy from. And he's in, I mean, Jesus Christ. I scrolled down his IMDb and was like, I, I could. I could read this forever. It's like a mile long. He's in everything. Yeah, yeah. Kristen, oh, Kristen, you might be wondering, how did this episode happen? <laughs> why? <laughs> why? Aside from the from uh, Chris Carter getting stoked when he read about the face on Mars, uh, this episode was also conceived as a low-budget bottle episode due to several earlier episodes in the season having exceeded their budgets Although the episode made use of a significant amount of inexpensive stock footage from NASA, the construction of the mission control set was subject to cost overruns, eventually leading the episode to become the most expensive of the first season. This episode is where they spent the most money in season one. Oh my God. <laughs> That's only because they didn't buy that tiny latex suit for the worm last week. You know what I mean? For the snake. <laughs> um... Okay, also, we got, like, not in trouble, but I saw somebody on Twitter was like, did you call Ice a bottle episode because you want to be part of the argument over what a bottle episode is? Ice is not a bottle episode. No. It's shot over multiple locations. Uh, we don't want to be a part of it, actually. No, thank you. We're, we, we, we respectfully... <laughs> Decline. Uh, remove ourselves from the group chat <laughs> about what's a bottle episode. All right. So... Uh, Ed, when he is only a wee lieutenant, uh, says it's a trick of light and shadows, but he knows it's not a trick of light and shadows, Jenny. He knows. We see. He goes to his house? Question mark? If it's such a trick of light and shadows, 
why does he go home and look at a pic of Mount <laughs> Face right before he goes to sleep? But it's unclear whether he has dreams of memories or visions. Is he remembering? Is it a dream? Is it a vision? It's very unclear because he's- Is it a dream? Is it a vision? Is it an alien? Is it a ghost? <laughs> but we get this vision dream um, of his from the past. Flash this, memory? This is when he was uh, on a, on the Gemini. Is that right? He was a Gemini. He's on a Gemini. I don't know. He's, this is when he was in space. And we see his little space body. It could be George Clooney in there. It could be Colonel Belt. It could be anybody, really. Uh, we see the little alien body floating around, and we hear this. There's something out here. Can you repeat that, Commander Belt? It's coming at me. Holy God! Well, shit. And then he's got this popcorn ceiling. and there- Yeah, he wakes up <laughs> and looks in horror at his cottage cheese ceiling. And the face appears in the texture of the ceiling and then zooms at him most spookily. Jenny, what the fuck is happening? Like, what the (laughs) fuck? Can we just talk for a second? Are we... Did Colonel Belt go to space Mm -hmm. and he got possessed by the Mars alien ghost? Yep, yep. And then he he brought it back to Earth with him and then was it sabotaging? Spacecraft? Was the ghosty, does the space ghosty have hot fingers? He's got hot fingers. He goes in there and he's like, beep, boop, boop. But then he broke <laughs> some shit and Colonel Belt was like, don't want to tell them about my Mars ghosty, so we'll just launch a bunch of rockets and never fix this part of the ship. Then does the ghost leave his body, travel all the way up to the rocket, bang on it a couple of times, and then fly back into the Colonel's body, all the way back? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> Kristen, I think you're asking the wrong questions. <laughs> Just... I think you're asking questions that can't be answered. But this is not a visual medium. But my fists are balled up. I am I am worked up into a frenzy right now about what is possibly the story that is being told. <laughs> and I think that's more than fair. It doesn't feel like it makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. Um. Houston, Mission Control. Yeah. Houston, we will literally have a problem at least three times. So. Oh, yeah. You know. <laughs> the titular Houston. <laughs> it's like Chekhov's Houston. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 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 Um, clearly, uh, the challenger is referenced at the end, like literally is used in the episode later. But before I had even gotten there, I was looking up. Um, I wanted to remember when the challenger happened. That was a pretty formative thing for us as kids. Uh, the challenger um, disintegrated uh, on takeoff in 1986. You were five. I was six. Four and mm-hmm. five? You were four and I was five. We were small, so we don't have, like, too big of a memory of probably the actual thing happening. Do you? Mm-mm. But it was, like, very much, like, my elementary school and my middle school all had, like, you know, plaques with, like, the memorial for all of the astronauts. Like, it was just very, very big in conversation. It was the first uh, fatal accident involving an American spacecraft while in flight. So... Um, clearly it's, it's talked about specifically here, but it's also part of the, what do you call it? The zeitgeist. It's 86. This is 93. It's, you know, we're talking about things like space shuttles a lot, a lot more then than we are now, actually. I miss hearing about space. 
I, I like opened a door so wide for you, Jenny, to talk about going to space camp. It's just it's just here for you. The door is just wide open. Yes, I went to space camp. <laughs> um, at a time when I feel like people were talking about space all the time. And, you know, uh, listening to Colonel Belt talk about in a little while about how like astronauts used to be on the front page all the time. But now you're only on the front page if you like make a terrible mistake or something goes horribly wrong. Um, and that was in 1993. So like imagine how much people were talking about space in like the moon landing 1969. Yeah. Uh, you know, it used to be such a hot, hot, hot topic. And now we're like, I love looking at my phone, actually. <laughs> my phone it is contains so much the better space. <laughs> Uh, you know what's wild, Jenny, is I was just looking up the movie Space Camp. Um, oh, yeah. Not to make this... Highly inaccurate. <laughs> not to make this a podcast about films that came out between the years 1984 and 1986, but... Um, uh -huh. Space Camp was a movie I was obsessed with as a child uh, because it's about a bunch of kids who go to space camp and whoops, launch themselves into <laughs> They just accidentally just, go to space. Literally accidentally go to space. I'm going to rewatch this movie very soon, actually. Starring Leah Thompson, uh, Kelly Preston. There's some There's some people in this. Oh, Tom Skerritt is in Space Camp. Wow. Anyway, wow. what's what's really interesting is that we're talking about the Challenger, and that happened in January of 86, and Space Camp was released in June of 86. That had to be like a real situation for the people who were making the movie Space Camp, you know? Like, I would imagine that, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I didn't do my research there because I just found that out uh in person. Also, if you haven't seen the movie Space... Wow, I'm just curating a movie night for us over in the Patreon. Uh, <laughs> we're going to watch... Girls just want to have fun. We're going to watch Space Camp. It's going to be a blast. Um, anyway. Yeah, I went to Space Camp. No big deal. Uh, you know, you get to uh, ride around. You get to try all the training equipment. You know, there's like a chair that you like get strapped into that is connected to something that like makes it simulate the moon's gravity, you know, which is one seventh, I think, of Earth's gravity. So you can jump all high and in slow motion and stuff. It's cool. Um, there's also like, if you picture, what is it, the Vitruvian Man? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. Right? Uh, da Vinci is like, dude in a sphere or whatever. <laughs> Like from now on, it's just that... Da Vinci's dude in a sphere. Actually, that's <laughs> yeah, the yeah, official yeah. title. You're like strapped into it. Actually, they also just did. <laughs> oh no, uh, Jess just was watching the most recent season of Survivor, uh -huh. and um, because we live together, I ended up watching a bunch of it too. <laughs> uh, and here was one challenge where blindfolded teammates had one of their teammates like suspended, also in a sphere that rolled, and the blindfolded um teammates had to push this uh this sphere like sort of down the beach and into an obstacle course or whatever and the only person who could see was the person who was like uh -huh. strapped in, in. okay cool, cool. uh so if you think of the vitruvian man and also that episode of survivor <laughs> and then you picture me at age like 12 or whatever uh probably right around probably, yeah i'm like you just seen the episode space you went to space camp yeah Great. yeah uh, you're like strapped into this sphere and then it whips around uh, in all different directions, but it's it's programmed to never repeat a revolution so that you don't get sick, like you you don't get nauseated from from it mm -hmm. uh, because I guess you need 
that sort of the like repetition same motion over and over again uh for it to like really disrupt you hmm. uh so it's like supposed to be some kind of like anti-gravity or something training yeah i ate some astronaut ice cream i uh, thought i lost my retainer but then when i got home i uh unpacked and i found it so <laughs> no big deal i did you make like, no friends you made no friends i was just gonna say is it like you sleep there like you have like root space you sleep roommates? there yeah it's like i was there for a week it's like a sleepaway camp there are like all these bunks and you like do little missions you're on a team they're all these like oh my pretend God. missions you do and stuff but uh tiny you know, jenny i would say that i didn't have the social skills that i have now <laughs> uh if i if only i could go back to space camp now <laughs> i'm sure i'd make lots of friends i mean that's a big deal like neither you nor i grew up with a whole bunch of money i feel like the fact that you got to go to space camp is massive like that's a bit that's a big yeah fucking it doesn't deal make any sense and i'm gonna guess that like um that uh it wasn't a responsible decision but i'm really happy that it got made <laughs> oh but how sweet i mean like yeah no totally. my mom was totally. making irresponsible decisions including like new blinds and stuff you know like it was definitely yeah, yeah. not in the favor of sending me to fucking space camp she did get me a pogo no, ball was... but you know <laughs> <laughs> um very cool um, Kristen, it might just be because this episode is so goofy and I'm procrastinating, but it might just be because we were talking about being 12 and 13. <laughs> uh, that makes me want to tell you that this morning at 9 a.m., I went to my local middle school and I talked to a class of seventh graders for their career day about, um, my career as a musician and podcaster. How did, can you believe it? How did it go? I was thinking about you all morning because I, I can believe it. I did know it. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's there. She's talking to the children. What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was very stressed out leading up to it. I did all kinds of prep yesterday and then just threw it all out. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I was like, should I make a slideshow <laughs> in Keynote? I started it. And then everyone was like, you really shouldn't do that. I was like, okay, you're right. Uh, and then I was like, okay, I'll just tell them, like, you know, what the path has been that has, like, led me to where I currently am doing the things that I do. Yeah. Right? So what I didn't anticipate is that uh, seventh graders have a lot of questions. And they want answers now. Mm -hmm. Um I wasn't expecting them to ask me any questions. I thought they would be very bored and like waiting for things to be over. But um, instead, they had a million questions and were very curious. And I was like, you know, I was trying to like, I don't like to toot my own horn, but I was like, oh, I really need these seventh graders to think I'm cool. What's the highest profile thing I've ever done? So I was like, Have you guys know Panic at the Disco? They're like, yeah. I was like, you know, the song High Hopes. And, I, and they were like, yeah. And I was like, I, I wrote, I'm a writer on that song. And they were like, oh, cool. And then they were like, can you sing us something? And I was like, well, I didn't really think that you would want that. So I didn't, um, whatever. But then the teacher got me online and I played a song of mine for them on YouTube. And they were like, they their response to that was about 100 times more enthusiastic than to High Hopes. You didn't bring your guitar to play them a song? <laughs> well... What I told what I told my friend who's a teacher at this school who who asked me to do it uh, is that I feel very prepared for next year now. 
this was great training for next year's career day. Great. I feel super ready for that. But <laughs> but then I um they were like, oh, what's the what's your favorite song that you've like written with another artist recently or mm-hmm. whatever? And and I was like, oh, well, there's the song, the song by Alex Leahy. Uh, called Never Get Your Money Back that that actually Alex and I and my wife Jess wrote. And they were like, oh, your wife Jess? And I was like, yeah, she's like also a musician. They're like, what's her band? And I was like, it's called Tancred. And they were like really stoked. And I was like, so check this song out. And I hit play. And like oh, no. the word shit occurs in the lyric oh, like Jenny. within the first like two lines. And I was just like... <laughs> I was apologizing to the teacher as I left. I was like, I can't believe I did that. I had no, I am so, 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 so sorry. And she was like, oh, no, no, no. They, now they'll think you're really cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. You wrote wrote a song that has the word shit in it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just like a pretty cool guy who like swears when he has to. Okay, I'm so sorry for the digression. I guess we should keep talking about this episode of The X-Files. This is what happens, okay? When the whole plot of the episode of television is rocket goes up rocket comes down space ghosty goes up space ghosty space comes ghost, down coast to coast <laughs> okay so we're on the steps of some washington building where michelle has flown from houston to have a um cloak and dagger meeting with scully yes. and Mulder. yes i love that their reputation has spread far and wide yeah uh, she's concerned about this part, this shuttle part uh, that appears to have some damage. But oh no, uh, there's another launch tomorrow in spite of this allegedly damaged shuttle part. And her fiance is the shuttle commander on that mission. Chris and I have a question. Yes. Do you think that all astronaut mission control banter is as crackling as it is in this episode? Or do you think it's just because they they have a romantic connection? I, I think it's as I think this is as crackling as it is no matter what, because I'll tell you what, they really keep their shit together. There's only one time when Michelle lets her guard down and says, David, take care. Take care. <laughs> Michelle. Michelle. I love Michelle. Me? She's my favorite. Uh, rando that we've met so far. Me fucking too. Michelle is played by Susanna Thompson and many times in my notes I was like literally the only reason that I am invested in this episode whatsoever is because of Susanna Thompson and this part of Michelle. She fucking nails it. She's so good. She looks also like I feel like Scully is immediately probably threatened and turned on like any queer person knows by the arrival of this blazer button down mm. uh very smart very you know what I mean like if Mulder's got a type we know he probably is uh really feeling a little into our friend Michelle as well so yeah yeah I could see, <laughs> I could see that yeah. I could see that yeah uh, also, she has the biggest briefcase, and I miss the days of carrying around a big box with you. You know what I mean? Just a little handle with a big box. Yeah, yeah. There's a certain dignity yeah. <laughs> to briefcases. So she tells them I'd about- like to carry around a big, empty briefcase with, like, one sheet of paper in it. <laughs> well, and we can also say we miss briefcases because technically we definitely never carried one. Like, we, we just had, like, Correct. Yeah, dads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a dad with a briefcase. Uh, he definitely <laughs> carried a briefcase. Um, so Michelle opens her briefcase with her, and inside is her one piece of paper. It's simply the, uh, x-ray of, uh, this valve that has burns in it that are simply impossible to make, but they're there. And she thinks someone is sabotaging NASA. 
So Scully, whose function in this episode seems to be like, why? <laughs> like so many times. Where? Sometimes she doesn't even ask and Mulder's like, this is happening because oh. <laughs> there's one time when she's like she asked Mulder like is it gonna work and I'm like okay I mean I don't think Scully is gonna ask Mulder if it's gonna work she is a medical doctor you know and also there are like actual space people around <laughs> but uh she asked why someone would want to sabotage a spacecraft and here are the reasons that Mulder gives her uh, terrorists would want to do it because the shuttle program is a symbol of American progress and prosperity. Anti-science people would want to do it because uh, the space program is a huge waste of tax dollars in their eyes. Uh, futurists might want to do it because they think the space shuttles that uh, were in use in the 90s were very outdated and fringe folk believe that the government is actually self-sabotaging to prevent people from getting information about alien civilizations. Scully, oh, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course we got to aliens already. Mulder, okay, David Duchovny, th- th- neither one of them have a ton to do in this episode, if we're being real, but David Duchovny's absolute fanboy performance throughout the episode is fucking incredible. He looks like he is 12, Jenny. He yeah, is no, it's very so cute. Oh, it's so cute. He is just losing it in the hallway of uh, the Houston launch offices. That's what they're called, right? Uh, He does not understand how Scully could have never considered being an astronaut before. Oh, (laughs) it's cute. Actually, he knows who Belt is. He watched Belt's uh, shuttle take off as a kid. He's going into Belt's office. Belt has decided that in his office, Jenny, he is going to have a backsplash of space. What I don't understand is how Colonel Marcus Aurelius Belt got my dream office. (laughs) Do you know how badly I want an enormous space backsplash behind me wherever I go? God. Do you remember? uh, We had a friend. Remember Shannon's uh, space backsplash? Oh, yeah. Big space wall. Yeah. That shit was fucking cool. This was before, uh, you know, Belt, this is before Zoom background. So, you know, before you could just put a Zoom background up, you had to actually put the space behind you, literally. Right, right. (laughs) Analog Zoom backgrounds. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, they do their FBI thing. Scully's like, do you think that there's sabotage? And Belt is like, oh, 700. How dare you, young lady? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He just like full, he does like an official American flag fold right in front of her and then slaps her across the face of it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he's basically like, don't ask those questions. I'm getting my men home safely. Fuck off. And yeah, blah, 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 blah. And then they close it up by Mulder being like, could we um, stay and um, watch the shuttle lift off from Mission Control? And Belt is like, well, you'd probably go over my head anyway. So why not? And Mulder's like, it's an honor, sir. Wow. Now, you have... Uh, said a few times, especially before we started the podcast, that I'm the Scully and you're the Mulder. This is where it, this is true in this instance. Mulder being like, can we stay and watch? And then like going to leave and Scully being like, you didn't want to get his fucking autograph too? You fucking nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Definitely can see the dynamic right there. 
Um, all right. So in the mechanics room, which is what I've called the next set location, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. we get Mr. Shuttle Mechanic, and he's basically like, every shuttle has flown with that valve. It would take months to replace it. Plus, it would be a bunch of money. And like, we can make recommendations. But at the end of the day, it's Belt's decision. Belt is like yeah. sneakily tiptoeing upstairs, <laughs> like watching this happen. <laughs> Uh, okay so after a lengthy countdown they launch the shuttle and michelle is so relieved and Mulder is like double thumbs up and he's like wow way to go standing ovation you guys <laughs> and it looks like everything's gonna be okay and we're just gonna have a 15 minute episode until yeah Mulder and Scully are like leaving and Michelle runs them down and is like the communication with the shuttle's gone down. So they head back to Houston. There's a Kristen. Mm. This feels oh, this feels like a real something that couldn't happen now. Definitely mm. not. You know, there's a press blackout in effect. No radio station is broadcasting. Mm -hmm. All you had to do in 1993 to get a press blackout was just lock the lock the door. They just keep the press in there, just lock the door, and that's it. That, that the yeah, press is yeah, blacked yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's no other yeah, way for the news to get out. Yeah, you tie all the press yeah. up in like one big bundle, and then you dangle them over a pool of sharks. I think that's <laughs> and say, don't write a story about this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I am so stressed out by how fast they are driving through such heavy rain with virtually no visibility you can't see a thing except a huge face <laughs> coming out of the murk so did so did the mars ghost did the mars ghost come out of belt to scare michelle and then go back into belt again kristen i don't think even chris carter knows the answer to this question <laughs> yeah michelle gets in a car accident um you know my sister once got pulled over by the cops because she was speeding <clears throat> and when the cop asked her, uh, like, if she knew how fast she was going, she was like, I do. I saw a ghost and I was trying to get away from it. My sister was <laughs> sober and completely serious. Um, and, you know, Michelle would have had to say the same thing. But luckily, her car flipped over yeah. and she got to get rescued by Mulder <laughs> and Scully. <laughs> Once they get her out of her upside down car, uh, I, I feel like, oh, yes. Can we ahead. talk about the removal of this woman from her car? Tell me all about it. Mulder, first of all, we're coming off of ice where we had Felicity Huffman in between Mulder and Scully. Okay, so I already have some stuff on my mind. So when this car flips over <laughs> and Michelle is like, help, help me get out of this car, Mulder goes over and softly kind of like scoops her. Now, he, she's coming out of the car. She's fine, Jenny. Mulder has it under control. Scully comes over and says don't move and like maybe is it's meant that she's like going to like hold her waist for an unknown reason but she certainly in my notes touches her boob and I'm just wondering Whoa. it's just a very there's a lot of touching of this woman that happens and it, and she hmm. seems like she's okay with it you know her husband is in space she doesn't have anybody here Earthside, and here are these yeah. two hot FBI agents. They might just, have an arrangement and just, for space mission times. Exactly. Um, so I just wanted to note that in my personal files. All right. Consider it <laughs> noted. Hey there. This is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Once they get Michelle out of the car, she's like, something came at me through the fog, and Scully says, some kind of animal? And Jenneru, Michelle, says, no, it had a face. And I'm like, <laughs> Michelle, what kind of animals are you dealing with on a daily basis? What sort of faceless creatures populate your landscape? God. But she doesn't care. She has to get to fucking Houston. Her husband is on the shuttle. I understand that we need to, like, up the stakes. But I have to, I do, I would like to say that I am a small amount frustrated that the motivation for the STEM uh, woman character in the show is that her husband is in space. I'm not like 100% into that being her motivation. So just saying it out loud. John Mark, play me the patriarchy jingle. God damn it. The patriarchy! Kristen, <laughs> women are motivated by love every day. So we're men. It's like, so we're all kinds of folks. It's like, do you, if the in the Bechdel test, if you're talking to people about science and space, but it's because your husband is in space, do you pass or fail? What's the, you know what I mean? How do the rules work in this situation? <laughs> I would rather watch this version of the story than a version where... Michelle is just like, those are human beings up there. I agree. I agree. I'm just asking questions. I would like to know how the Bechdel test works. I also would rather watch this version. I would rather watch a version with higher stakes. It's just, you know, I'm also a lady with feelings. And those are those uh-huh. are my feelings, Jenny. Okay, okay. All right. The temperature is approaching 103 degrees. You know that feeling when you can't um, rotate your space shuttle away from the sun and your cabin is 103 degrees and and therefore people in mission control must head to the data bank yeah i kind of know that feeling jenny but it would be helpful if um if someone could explain it to me just one more time so i (laughs) a medical doctor might understand it Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh my god uh, i'm so excited we're getting to the data banks because this is now when we meet the character that i have called millhouse from top to bottom of the whole episode (laughs) Doesn't does he have a name? No, uh, maybe I didn't look it up. I've simply named him Millhouse. You're like he is the Bechdel test decrees that one man must le- lose his name. One male <laughs> character must lose his name for every time a woman is motivated by her love for a dude. <laughs> it's the circle of life. It's the natural balance being restored. Yes, yes. I wrote a fun um, little fanfic in my head for this, which is that Millhouse who is standing in the corner when Mulder is like, call security, is like, who's that hot man? You know, like, yeah, totally. What's this exciting thing? Yeah, I was thinking it. So I put it onto Millhouse, too. 
Uh oh, it's 116 <laughs> degrees now in the space shuttle. That's too hot. It's too hot. Um, Belt wants to let them fly by wire, which sounds cool, actually. <sighs> I hate when someone is scrambling the uplink telemetry. Kristen. Yeah. Honestly, anytime anyone does anything with telemetry, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this uh, the crackling banter you're talking about? What's the weather? Sunny and warm? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and it just gets better from here, too. Um, she's, like, being so professional before she finally is like, you take care. Yeah. <laughs> David! I- I definitely, and this will probably come as a surprise to no one, but I could definitely never be an astronaut or work in mission control. I'm far too emotional and animated for that. You know what I mean? Like everybody being like, we might die. Here's a joke about the weather. Yeah, they're all, it's like a fucking space shuttle full of and mission control full of molders. Yeah. <laughs> so a whole bunch of... <laughs> Can you believe in that? Monotone. Extraterrestrials. <laughs> I was on a plane, I don't know, a few few weeks ago, and it was like a few feet from wheels on the tarmac, and then the pilot just gunned it back up into the sky. I have maybe never been so terrified in my entire life. And then like five full minutes later, the pilot came over the thing and was like, it was just a little bit of uh, congestion on the runway, so we had to come up and circle again. And I was like, if that was me in the fucking cockpit, I would have been like, we almost just hit a plane! <laughs> You know what I mean? Not cut you'd out. Have, you would have turned on the mic like while you were doing yeah. the maneuver, being like, I'm Ooh. doing this and I don't know if it's going to work. Everybody fucking hold on. Uh, <laughs> all right. So they cut off contact. 45 seconds go by. 60 seconds go by. They reestablish the connection. There's nothing there. Mulder is chewed off every nail that he has. Every fingernail is gone. <laughs> He's so fucking nervous. <laughs> And then they did it, and the whole room cheers. Hooray. They turned the shuttle away. It's cooling down. Yep. Yep. Belt washing his face in the bathroom, looking like a total mess. Yes. Uh, that That's actually where he says 0700. He does actually say it, just so everyone knows. Uh, <laughs> they've got a big day ahead. they got to fix that old telemetry problem in the morning to get this shuttle to deliver. By the way... I know that the big question here is what is a ghost alien? But my second question is what the fuck is the payload? Why do they call it the payload? Ma'am. <laughs> uh, that's a classified, classified, need to know basis. Okay. None of your business. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Who knows? Is it a uh, fuel to keep whatever they're delivering it to running or something? To me, it just looked like, you know, when you go to the car wash and the big spinny things come down on your windshield, sort of like, yeah, that just that's what it looked like to me. Is it? a Well, that was stock NASA footage. Who knows what? <laughs> maybe it is. Maybe it's the shuttle. Maybe the shuttle car wash needed a replacement part. You know what I mean? Oh, yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, speaking of the payload, uh, Belt, we go to the press conference and Belt just lies completely to everyone and says that um, after a beautiful night launch. The shuttle has performed magnificently. Scully, so much for so mean. So much for your boyhood <laughs> hero, she says to Mulder, dashing what yeah. little hope he had left in humanity. <laughs> uh, Mulder respectfully confronts Belt. Belt is unhappy that astronauts don't make the front page of the newspaper anymore. Hey, look. We all have to grapple with our eventual descent into irrelevance, sir. 
Mulder says, uh, do you think it's sabotage? And Belt says, my answer to you, sir, will be to bring those men safely back to Earth. Okay. Kristen. Yeah. Belt goes home, question mark, takes a bottle. Okay. I was looking at this place being like, this looks so much like a hotel did they just rent a hotel yes. room and pretend that it's his his home i did the same thing because in like the 70s clip or whatever i think he is at his home and then he like got into bed i was like well that is a hotel comforter if i've ever seen one then i was like wait his phone looks like a hotel phone then later when they go to see him they knock on the hotel door which is the only i, I, I went back in my notes to like correct myself so i was right there with well this- is are you saying it's a hotel no- door just because it has a number on it yeah. Well, sometimes apartment building doors have numbers on them. Oh. I just don't... Is he coming in from out of town for the launch? Or does he live in Houston? I just feel like there are many mysteries in this episode. Many unanswered questions. And where... Belt lives, or if this is a home or a hotel, and still, like everything about it screams hotel to me. Except I don't understand why he would be at a hotel. I think maybe the only reason I justified it in my mind is I thought like maybe they live near there, but maybe for a launch they have to stay like right at the launch site. You know what I mean? So they like see, stay see, in a hotel while they're there. But I don't know. Yeah, but he's got a bottle of vodka in the freezer, Kristen. He's drinking. That doesn't home. feel like I'm just here for the night. Stocking well, up. I don't know. I mean, if you had to confront the Mars ghost that lives inside of you, wouldn't oh, you want to? Oh, true. Yeah, no, I wouldn't go anywhere without freezer <laughs> vodka. Um... We get another flashback memory dream thing. I write, ha, 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 in all caps. What is happening in all caps? Did the alien possess him and come back to Earth and now is leaving through the window? He will not stop reaching for his alien friend. I also wrote down the caption, eerie whooshing, which was on my screen. (laughs) Oh, I wrote that caption down, too. Listen, what? (laughs) Cloud silhouette. Just this alien ghost cloud oh, I'm like oh is this the silhouette from the opening credits I know that's what I thought too I don't think it is but I was like oh no, my god we're good. I also thought it might be the smooshy wiggly face when it first started happening I was like maybe this will be from the credits also not um, <laughs> anyway this is wild um, props to Ed Lautner Ed Lauder, sorry for holding his hand out for as long as he does and doing it with such commitment does he want the ghost to come what is you know what Let's go back to mission control. That's I don't I'm just stop asking questions. Yeah, uh Houston, we just heard something weird up here, a dull thump like something bumped the ship. Perhaps it was a ghost that just hit the eject button in Colonel Belt and uh just scooted up here at God knows what speed. Houston, we have a Mars ghosty. You know what I mean? Yeah, yes, I do know what you mean. But this was my favorite one-two punch of the whole episode because we we get that in Mission Control that, like, up in space, they're like, something bumped the ship. I think it might have been a ghosty. And then we go to the data banks, and in the data banks, they're literally just holding up, like, a grid from the inside of a computer pointing to it and saying, it seems to be this. <laughs> Guys, what is happening? I mean, it feels like that. It really feels like this episode was probably like twenty minutes long, and then they just had to figure out what to do with the other twenty-three minutes. 
Yeah. Uh, not our, not the day for our shuttle because the Mars ghosty has poked a hole somewhere and there is an oxygen leak now. So first they were being cooked and now they're being suffocated. And that's not all, Kristen. <laughs> this exact same thing happened to Belt on an Apollo mission. What are the odds? Mm, hi, when you have a fucking resident Mars ghosty. <laughs> The fact that some astronomer in Winnipeg sees the gaseous cloud trailing the orbit of the... <laughs> okay, sure. Michelle holding the whole episode together. Give me the worst case scenario. Fine belt. I believe you, Michelle. Somehow amidst all of this chaos, I believe you and I love you. Uh, yeah, the only funny thing to me about Michelle is that she's constantly, like, finding Mulder and Scully and being like, Belt's doing this. Belt isn't there. This is what's happening now. Hey, you guys, don't try to leave the plot. Hey, you guys, when Mulder runs in, I know we're not there, but when Mulder runs into mission control and is like, 35 degrees, I'm like, I just cannot imagine this is how a space shuttle launch would happen. Or like, you, you don't just run in and say 35 degrees and having a team of people who do this for a living be like, trust that guy. I don't know. He's a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I got ahead of myself. There's some there, there's obviously some stress about this oxygen leak. Scully is prompted to say it's an oxygen leak. Even I can figure out what happens when you run out of oxygen, probably because she's a medical doctor. Yes, she knows. I don't actually know, but she does because she's a medical doctor. Well, thank God she's here. Uh, they hunt Belt down at either his home or his hotel room. <laughs> and he comes to the door looking like scruffy Brad from ghost in the machine he does he has his own ghost in his own machine that's right yeah i wasn't feeling well but then they're like you got to get down there right now there's another problem belt gets on the mic and he's like everything's gonna be fine here's what you're gonna do you're gonna vent the co2 you're gonna put on your little space suits you're gonna deliver the fucking payload and michelle is like those are men you motherfucker and then he's like you're out of line and then somebody says you can't handle the truth and then <laughs> michelle in my notes michelle takes her headset out leaves and scully goes after her for a smooch that is literally what i wrote in my notes word for um word. Footage not found, but Michelle does go running down a hallway while crying. Classic move. I feel like that's right up your alley, Kristen. Yep. She's she's crying because her husband might die, which like is sad, know. you know. But like also she's she's also mildly concerned about the other men on that ship, you know. Just you know, but it's it's her husband <laughs> that she really cares the most about. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> um scully and those other guys too yeah we divide now um we, the ladies on the left dudes on the right scully thinks michelle is right for wanting to save the men Mulder believes that belt actually knows what he's doing and has the best yeah. intentions overall and this i mean there's like, like space mission first guitar solo <laughs> i mean like i do i do think that there is a argument to be had here I, I'm not like yeah yeah we should listen to Michelle I do think that like if if you have a mission and you know because it's not like if the mission here was just like for people to get rich then fuck the mission right but like the mission here in this case is like if if the astronauts die NASA could get 
totally like defunded, you know, like that's the worry there. And also if they spend all this money and they don't complete the mission, they might lose the funding. And like these are folks who have dedicated their whole lives to space exploration. So I do I do understand, um, you know, everything except for what a space ghost is. Uh, but uh, but other than that, I, I get the I get the debate. Did you happen to notice that as she goes to walk away, Mulder grabs Michelle by the waist? So softly. Just whoop, right around They're her about little waist. To dance. They're about to dirty dance. Yeah. Uh, he needs access to the records. Millhouse is so excited. He cannot believe he's back in play. Can be of use to Mulder. Oh, yeah. Um, well, don't and- worry. There's just eight the bazillion? Eight bazillion files for them Whenever- together? Whenever I need files, Jenny, I just say x-rays, diagrams, schematics. No matter what. That covers all bases. You get the everything The holy you trinity. <laughs> um, we get some... I know there's a lot of NASA B-roll here, but also this data gathering B-roll was one of my favorite B-roll footage moments in the whole episode. It's just like a binder being pulled out. Three manila folders going onto a table. It's just like folders moving around for like five seconds. (laughs) Just when you thought the payload was delivered and everything was going to be okay, Kristen, I've got some bad news for you. Oh my God, there's something outside the ship that there's someone outside the ship. Can you repeat that, OTC? There's some kind of ghost outside the ship. No. No. No, no, no! <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that feeling when there's a ghost outside your ship, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's not good. Um, Okay, by some miracle of God, Scully finds an analysis of the part that was had been ordered by Bell, indicating that he knew about the damage to the part. Oh my God! But why would the ghost alien want the why? Oh God! Nobody knows. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Michelle finds them. Colonel Belt has collapsed. They run to where Colonel Belt is. He's okay. Atop his desk. I know. Kristen. I know. Help me. Another beautiful piece of handmade art. You couldn't. AI couldn't make that. No. AI couldn't make the drawing of the Jersey Devil. (laughs) AI couldn't make. Help me. He wrote help and then he wrote me. And when he got right to the end of E, he fell underneath the desk. But he held the marker the whole time. So it just, you know. Yeah. Now he's clutching the marker below the desk. He's freaking out. Jenner is like, "Um, I'm bringing this shuttle down. Belt is like, no. Mulder does some kind of focus trick. Well, they call for a doctor. and, And I feel like. Scully's probably like, I'm right fucking here, you guys. Yes. <laughs> She's like, excuse me. Uh, yeah. But then the other doctors come, not stopping Scully from calling for the specific kind of medicine and the dosage that she would like for Belt to have from the medic. <laughs> Um, but yes, please talk about the focus thing that Mulder does. This is when Belt is strapped to the, he's, he's been moved onto the gurney or whatever you call the little rolly bed that goes into the back of an ambulance. And Mulder is like, focus, 
focus. Look into my eyes. Picture yourself on a boat on a river. <laughs> I, I don't know that we ever see anything like this again. Oh, do you think he's thinking about what his hypnotherapist gets up to? Maybe. He's like, focus your breathing. Focus your pain right here. <laughs> Romantic. Now you're going to save those astronauts and you're going to tell me how to do it. Mulder's in the mood. He is in the spirit of the thing, you know? This is what we learned from a focused belt. The fuselage is damaged. It can't survive re-entry. He didn't sabotage the shuttle, but he couldn't stop the them who did. Um, Mulder says, who? And Belt says, they don't want us to know. And then he says, it lives in me. Well, right now it's on vacation up at the space shuttle, but it lives in me again. Jenny, his face turns into... Mount Mars, face, Mount face, and now I first watch. I was like, "Why well, couldn't that couldn't have actually happened?" Because then Scully would have clearly seen it. And Michelle, um, Michelle says that's the face I saw in the fog. So we are to believe. I recognize it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> that this man's actual face changes into sculpty Mars ghost face that Mulder and Scully see this and that Scully is like dementia. I'm like, ma'am. <laughs> uh, okay, so the astronauts have 30 minutes of oxygen left. Michelle's prepping them for re-entry. Mulder gets Belt to tell him that the re-entry trajectory needs to be changed to 35 degrees to avoid burning up. Why does Belt know a way to fix the issue. Is that how it's, he landed his ship? I don't know. It was real dramatic. Rumor has it, it was real dramatic when he came back. So maybe he remembered. I don't know. Maybe the Mars ghosty felt bad and just told him real quick. Oh my God. <laughs> I think it's a great choice that they made for Michelle to give the order for them to change the trajectory, but to have the blackout start in yes. such a way that they have no idea if it's going to make it. If they even heard the message yeah. about yeah. the trajectory change, yeah. but don't worry, they land. Anybody know a good place to eat in Albuquerque? Crowd goes wild. Yeah. Oh God. And then it's Michelle's turn to give a press conference and lie, lie, lie how the worm has turned yeah the message here is part of the job of being an astronaut or working with astronauts is you have to be ready to lie yeah 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 uh cool so in the hospital um also it should be noted that while still in space uh somebody says we've got some spooky stuff up here i just feel like that's <gasps> relevant um, <laughs> Uh, okay, in the hospital, Space Face is taking over Belt once more, who rips every piece of hospital equipment off of his body, flails around like he's kind of dancing, and then leaps out the window to his death, but even a plunge down 40 stories or whatever to the asphalt waiting below is not a respite. From his space flashbacks. This man has to relive this again before he dies. 
First of all, let's hear what Mulder thinks. He thinks that Belt must have been possessed by something out there in space, and he says... Miss Scully, we send those men up into space to unlock the doors of the universe, and we don't even know what's behind them. I think whatever it was, he took it with him. And in the end, that was the only way he knew how to stop it. Okay, so here's what I think happened. I think that Chris Carter wrote this little piece of poetry and then was like, I need to put this piece of poetry on TV. I'm going to write an entire episode around it because uh, I think that this is like quite beautiful. Uh, the thing is that, what do you mean he took it with him? It's a space ghost. He died, so the space ghost died? I feel like that's not how it works and I just got here. You know what I mean? Just going off vibes. Well, no, he's saying I think he took it with him when he returned the first time and in the end the only way he knew how to stop it from being in him was to jump out the window at the hospital i see i see i see i, I see. think oh. that's the yeah uh when i was watching this when we get to the funeral scene which is mm -hmm. next Mulder and scully are at this funeral michelle's at this funeral okay scully is wearing mm. jess noted aubergine Ooh. Or whatever. Can you say, is that, a, does it count as a color? Aubergine? Not just a eggplant? Eggplant. Yeah. It's just the fancy way yeah. of saying eggplant. Yeah. So, yeah, he, the priest is wearing aubergine vestments and Scully is wearing like an aubergine suit. She was like, what week are we in, Catholics? Catholics, get this is together. what I'm saying. Yeah. Is, is it, is it, um, for funeral rites at a particular time? Let's see, what's purple? Advent? Lent? Sounds right to my my previous Catholic school mind. One of the Ents. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder if Scully did this on purpose because she is so very Catholic. I have a question about religion. Hit it. I'm sure, I'm sure I can answer. This, yeah, just like Mulder can tell us about space, Jenny can tell us about <laughs> heaven. Um, I, the priest is like, May he uh, go to heaven higher than he could ever go as a man. And then and that made me think, how high is heaven? Like where? What's up past space? Yeah, what's past space? Is that is that like that's where heaven is? You crack space, you get to heaven? Is it in another dimension? The thing is, that, is it? Yeah, it's got to be dimensional, right? Dimensional. Because space is like really, Kristen, it's pretty big. It's space pretty, is really big. It's pretty big. That's actually. What that's what I've heard. Um... There's so much eye contact at this funeral. People are staring into each other's eyes all over the place. Mulder and Michelle. You ever look in anybody's eyes at a funeral, Kristen? No. No. You never want to look in anyone's eyes at a funeral. Unless somebody said, if I ever die, look at this person and make a prank. Make a prank face. Laugh for <laughs> me. You know what I mean? Then fine. Speaking of things that people make you swear to do upon the event of their death <laughs> as a prank <laughs> it's time for the sexual tension awards favorite transition to date Welcome back to this episode's installment of the sexual tension awards in which your humble hosts, Kristen and Jenny, offer you four slots stuffed to the gills with noms from which you may choose and vote for the coupling, thruppling, or beyond that you believe has the most tension in this episode. In slot number one, they say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. 
And so it stands to reason that the way to a woman might be through gently cupping her lower <laughs> ribs on the sides. Sure. This slot is for Mulder and Michelle. <laughs> Experts agree that 95% of rom-coms released between the years of 1981 and 2003 feature at least one scene where a girl runs down a hallway crying and then that girl smooches someone. <laughs> hallway crying and running leads to smooching. And this is what we hope for. This is the candle we light upon the altar of Scully and Michelle. Get it, girls. It's often been said by individuals much wiser than I <laughs> that the heart wants what it wants. Mm. That love knows no boundaries, and also probably can't count very high. So it is with this in mind that we humbly say modern men and women in STEM can have it all. <laughs> it's Mulder, Scully, and Michelle. Why not? Hot, 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 hot. That's where my vote's going. And it's lot number four. For all you nerds out there, myself included, for all you kids who went to space camp or really wanted to, no interest or passion displayed in this episode, I would posit, could match mm -hmm. what we see emanating from Mulder mm -hmm. directly towards the space program. Yeah, a good second contender for me, all things considered. These are your choices, but we can't hold the Sexual Attention Awards without you. We need you to vote. Please come vote in our Sexual Attention Award poll over on Patreon, you don't need to be a patron to vote. You just need to have an account, which you can create for free over at patreon.com slash bufferingcast. The poll will be up before the day is over on the day that this episode goes live. You have about five days to vote, so get in there. Cast, cast, cast. Let us know the truth of what's in your heart, and a winner shall be declared next episode. Also, before we leave the Sexual Attention Award segment, I want everyone to know that while Jenny was uh, giving you the noms at one point, she took her hand so, like a feather. It just flew up to her brow uh, in an overwhelm. It was a really beautiful sight, and I was the only one that got to see it. So, <laughs> uh, Thank you for letting the people know. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know I did that. Okay, that's it for the STAs. <laughs> Now, Kristen. Yes, Jenny. I believe in my heart of hearts that there might be aliens and that there might be ghosts and that there probably aren't alien ghosts. Speciest. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I really don't know is whether or not you can see the future, which is why we have carefully crafted a segment of this show or you look ahead and you try to prove to me that you can. Uh, so let's head over to that glorious globe of amethyst, Kristen's crystal ball. Jenny, 
Jenny, the ball uh, today, it's it's a little chaotic. Something seems to be uh, bumping it from the side uh, every time I look into it. It's just this sort of this like cloud silhouette. I'm not sure if anyone out there can let me know what's happening. But uh, in the crystal ball, there's not a lot today. I mean, you may have questions for me, but what I see in my crystal ball is that this will not be the last time that we are at Mission Control in Houston. Uh, we we will interface with NASA again. This is the first space exploration conversations that will happen in the show. I believe that we will get Tiny Mulder and Tiny Scully. I think we will have episodes where we see Mulder as a kid. Clearly, like, that seems, like, most obvious because we know that, like, his sister was abducted or whatever. Um, but I think we're going to get some flashbacks of, like, fanboy, nerdy Mulder as a child. I look forward to them. And I think because we get tiny Mulder, we will also get to see what Scully was up to as a child. She was not dreaming of being an astronaut. She was not dreaming of braiding her hair or getting a pony. And we're going to learn about little Scully as well. And I'm excited about it. I also... Um, this is not in the crystal ball, but I just would like to say that I hope that neither of these two people ever gets a pet. Can you now hope that neither Mulder nor Scully mm-hmm. ever get a pet? And why is that? Uh, they're never home and they don't seem to know who they are enough to have the responsibility of a pet. They they need to do some maturing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, fantastic. Okay, this is great. Uh, love the the sort of like broad scope of prediction here. I mean, you know, it's been a few episodes where I have not gotten to dig into anything in the sort of like mythology of the show because we've just been in the Arctic Circle and now we're at Houston with the space shuttle. So you know, I'm I keep them tight where they're tight, and if there's something that brings us to a bigger conversation, my crystal ball will go. Um, wherever wherever it's asked to go, you know? And we thank you for it. Uh, well, Kristen, I'd say that uh, the status of this X-File is uh, coming at me through the fog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly this is another file that's just floating out there. Definitely... Mars Ghosty, still around. Mars Ghosty, Eugene Toomes, fucking wiggly worms all sitting around a poker table somewhere, just waiting yeah. for the next time. Imagine if those three could team up, name a more iconic <laughs> trio. <laughs> well, while you try to think of a more iconic trio, I'm going to tell you about me. My name is Jenny Owen Youngs. And when I'm not watching The X-Files or Buffy or Yellow Jackets, I'm usually... Making music. My most recent release is an instrumental album called From the Forest Floor. I created it collaboratively with editor of the pod, John Mark Nelson. It features appearances from BFF of the pod, Rishi K. Shearway, and wife of the pod, Jess Abbott. It's a 12-song cycle designed to feel like 24 hours spent in the forest. And you can find it wherever you stream music. You can also give me a shout on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok at Jenny Owen Youngs. Okay? Okay. I am Kristen Russo. 
And when I am not being inhabited by a Mars ghosty um, or talking about the X-Files, I am usually doing work uh, with and for LGBTQ plus community. Uh, hey, happy Pride. The month is officially June. The queers are now in charge. Good luck. Uh, I do a lot of speaking <laughs> events at workplaces, but I also never talk about this here. I also have a Patreon that is simply mine, and we do some fun shit over there, which is next up in the Queer Horror Movie Club, we are watching Candyman together, and we're reading some essays with those films um, and chatting about it in the Discord. We also have a book club. Uh, over there. Um, and we're getting really nerdy in July. We're reading a book called Times Square Red, Times Square Blue, which is a book about the, quote, cleanup of Times Square. It's one of my favorite books from grad school. Um, and we're all going to get really nerdy and really gay mm, cool. uh, with that conversation. So yeah, you can find out more on my website, kristinnoline.com. My Patreon is patreon.com slash kristinnoline. Spell that, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-N-O-E-L-I-N-E. And you can find me using that spelling on Instagram, on Twitter, and on TikTok. I have still made one TikTok. (laughs) Congrats, Kristen. Thank you. Buffering, a rewatch adventure, is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at BufferingCast. You can drop us an email at hello at BufferingCast.com. You can support the work we do here, and we do need your support on Patreon, patreon.com slash bufferingcast, all on our website, bufferingcast.com. We have a ton of fun stuff happening on the Patreon, including but not limited to Hot Dad Summer. Uh, We have the Hot Dad of Giles in the universe of Sunnydale, but we also have the Hot Dad of Jenny Owen Youngs in the buffering verse, and so we've paired those two things together. Jenny, did you want to say something about being a hot dad? Well, you know, Kristen came up with this concept and, you know, involved me uh, (laughs) as one of the titular hot dads, and I just want to say that, you know, that's on Kristen, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm I'm just here to do whatever is good for the pod, so if it's good for the pod to call me a hot dad... Then, Yo. you know, I guess that's what has to happen. Yeah. So some astronauts have to sacrifice their lives and some podcasters have to accept the title of hot dad. You know, what are you <laughs> yeah, going to do? Yeah, yeah. I'm a team player, so. (laughs) We're going to be doing some group watches of Giles-centric episodes with you all. We are also doing a special Giles-themed pod for the summer over on Patreon. And then Denny uh, is going to take those hot dad skills, uh, combine them with music skills, and perform for you a concert of buffering songs that are all Giles-centric. All of that, patreon.com slash bufferingcast is very fun. I'm very excited about Hot Dad Summer. I, too, am excited about Hot Dad Summer. I can't wait to kick it off. Now, friends, this episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen-Youngs, and Latoya Ferguson with support from our consultant, Mackenzie McDade. It was edited by John Mark Nelson. And till next time, the the pod is is out out there. there. Oh, my God.
Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.